This week is brought to you by none other than the Eric Gill. Enjoy. As you can tell, we're starting a new series that it's going to be take, it's going to take us a, a couple weeks. It's going to take us about 10 weeks to go over it, but it's a series on the fruit of the spirit, which is something that you grew up, you know, talking about in church and you maybe grew up memorizing. Who who memorized all of the fruit of the spirit? Who can tell me all the fruit of the spirit right now? All right, say it louder like you mean it. You won't do it backwards. Ah, <laughs> this kid, all right. No, no. <laughs> but anyways, I'm very excited for this because what we're going to be doing in the next few weeks is that we're going to expand on each of these fruits. And we're going to be talking about what it means, what it looks like to produce these fruits. If these are the fruit of the spirits, if you're a Christian, if this is what you're supposed to produce, then we're going to look at each one of those things and how that looks like. But before we jump in, we got to take us into what led Paul to write about this. But uh, before that, I remember growing up and being born and raised in a third world country one of the things that you don't get to, um, that, to, that you don't get to experience or one of the luxuries that you don't have is uh, security. And in the way that this looks like is that you always have to be looking over your shoulder. You always have to be wondering when it, someone is going to come on a motorcycle and steal something from you. Uh, when is someone going to come and open and like, you know, crack open your car and steal something from your car or break a window in your house. Actually, I remember growing up in my home, at least there are three to four times that I can recall where our house got broke in. One of them, I was actually in the house. Actually, I was the one who let the, the thief into the house. Doesn't, sorry for another day. But it is, that is how it is in my, how it was growing up. You, you always have to be watching over your shoulders. You always had to make sure that things were not left out of your house. You will never leave something outside of your, in your backyard because if you left it in your backyard, you might as well be saying this is free for anybody to take. You will never leave your car unlocked because if you left your car unlocked, I mean, they'll take everything. They'll could take the car itself or they'll take the tires. That's how it was growing up. And I remember that when I first came to America as a student, I, I came to New York, and I went out with my friends, and we went, we got on, uh, I got on my friend's car, and we drove, and then we came back to the property, and I remember that he did not lock the car, and that shocked me. I was like, wait a minute, you're not going to lock your car? You're just going to leave that open right there? You mean to tell me that if you do that, nobody's going to come here and open your car, steal everything in your car, and might as well even take your car? You mean to tell me that that's not something that you have to worry about here? And I remember being shocked by that, just out of curiosity. How many of you that have car do not lock it? All right, I'm going to take a picture just so I know where you, where you, by the way, where did you park in? No, just kidding. But how many of your parents unlock their car? How many of you, uh, let, let me keep going with this. How many of your uh, parents or even you leave stuff on your backyard or in your front yard? Like a toy or like my wife, Jenny, she leaves everything. She might as well leave her bed outside too because anything that she brings outside, she's living outside. All right, uh, let's see. Uh, how many of you guys have to watch over your shoulder when you're crossing the street? Not because you wanna, you're going to get run over, but because you're afraid that a motorcycle is going to come and steal something from you. 
Yeah, you don't mean that. I mean, actually, where you, where, where, no, don't tell me where you're at. If you are in Coventry, then the answer is yes. No, I'm from Coventry, so I can say that. Uh, but anyways, that is a reality of where I was born. That's the reality of how it is. If I go back home, that's how it is because you have to wash yourself. But it is so interesting to me that you can come here, to, that I can come here to the States, and I don't have to worry about any of those things. It is so interesting that you don't have to worry about those things. And it is even more interesting that you can get accustomed to that to the point where you think that that is the norm in the whole world. You can get so accustomed to your life security that you can think that this is how it is everywhere else in the world. Let me take you a further step. You see what's happening in Ukraine. The war that is breaking out, you know, the conflict between Russia and Ukraine. And although you may know about it, it doesn't really hit home because it's over there, it's not here, right? It's one thing when it is happening within you or in you or near you than when it is something that is far away. You, it's hard to relate to those things. But even then, there's this step of getting used to things. It's kind of like when you, like your favorite food, you know, you, your favorite food is this big cheeseburger, right, with Duma meats, right, double cheeseburger with bacon. You know, who's having cheeseburger for lunch? Don't tell me because actually tell me. I'm going to go over. But you think about it, right, and you eat that cheeseburger every single day. Eventually, it's going to lose the effect on you. You're not longer going to care for it as much as you did the first day. Ironically, if you do a diet and you don't have the cheeseburger for a month, you cannot wait till you have that cheeseburger again because it's, it, you can taste it in your mouth and all those different things, right? You can get accustomed to things. Well, today we're going to be looking at what led Paul to write about the fruit of the Spirit. What led him to say that these are the fruits that you need to be producing if you are a follower of Christ. If you're someone that you will say, I believe in the gospel of Jesus, then these are tellers that will tell people, that will tell you whether or not that is true. A fruit, an apple, an apple tree would only produce apple fruit. If you have an apple tree producing oranges, then there's something wrong. But ironically, that is how many Christians live their life. Christians are supposed to produce a particular set of fruits that we're going to be expanding on the following weeks. And yet, how interesting or how sad it is that, it, that instead of producing those fruits, we're producing the ones over here, the ones that we shouldn't be producing. So let's dive in. We're going to be in the book of Galatians chapter 5. In the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verse 16. And this is what it says. But I say, Paul is writing to this church, and he said, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. He's saying, hey, walk, let the Holy Spirit guide you. Walk by the Holy Spirit, and you are not going to give in. You're not going to surrender. You're not going to gratify the desires of your flesh. The things that you want to do that you know you shouldn't be doing. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the, the spirit of the, uh, and, and the desires of the spirits are against the flesh. There is a tension between the two. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. You have the desires of the flesh and the desire of the spirits, and these two things separate you. They're in conflict, that they're pulling you different directions because they want you to do things that you don't want to do. 
Then he says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not longer under the law. Now, just so you know what it's like to be under the flesh, he says, now the works of the flesh are evident. Sensual immorality, impurity, sensuality, you nailed it. Sensuality, there you go. Idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, feasts of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like this. That's a very explicit yet like big list of things. And how interesting too is that you know the fruit of the Spirit, but you, if I was to ask you to quote all of these ones, you probably wouldn't know. And yet these are the ones that we're more familiar with. These are the ones that we often are the one actually doing. And then he says in verse 21, and things like this, and I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those that live a life like this, so that only are producing this kind of fruits, then maybe the, the reason why that is is because you don't have the gospel and therefore you're not inheriting the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is this love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passion and desires. All right. Stewie, come up here. I'm going to have uh, Justin and Josh come here too. All right. So there is a conflict. There is a conflict right now. Yeah, Justin, come here. You got Stewie right here. This is an individual. Stewie is a man, right? He's an individual right here. And then you got Josh right here who's going to signify or, or he's going he's gonna to act as if the flesh. This is the flesh. And then you got Justin right here who is the spirit, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of God. So you have Stewie right here who said at one time in his life, he said, you know what? I believe in the message of the gospel. I believe that God sent his son to die on the cross for my mistakes, for my struggles, and that three days later he rose from the dead. I believe in this message. This is Stewie. He believed in this message, right? Now, even though Stewie believed in this message, there's a part of him, because he is not perfect, because he has not reached to the point of perfection, that that day is going to come when Jesus comes back, and we are taken with him, because he's not yet there, there's still an aspect within him that is called the flesh. The flesh right here is the thing that we do to, that is op opposite of God. It is the the drive within us that you saw in Adam and Eve that led them to sin before God. It is that desire within you that tells you, you need to do this thing that even though you know it's wrong, that even though you know it does not glorify God, you're willing to give it all up to do what that desire is telling you to do. You're willing to put your faith at rest. You're willing to deny God. You're willing to, to disobey him. You're willing to wash things that you shouldn't be washing. You're willing to lie to people that, that you shouldn't be lying to. You're willing to say things, do things, and think things that you're not supposed to do because of the desire of the flesh. Then you have the Holy Spirit, which is God himself. He lives in you. 
We're told that at the moment of conversion, the Holy Spirit lives in, within you. It is God himself, and he is the one that is guiding you to take steps. He's the one that directs your step. If you're listening, he's the one that, is gonna, that God is going to use to transform your life, to take you to a point where you're not longer drinking that milk of the faith. You're all now mature in the faith. You're eating that steak that you should be eating. This is with the Holy Spirit. He directs your step. When you don't know what to say, he tells you what to say. When you're talking with people that you don't know what to say as far as the gospel, he comes alongside and tells you what to say. When there's a time of temptation, he's the one that's going to tell you, hey, look the other way. Don't give in. Don't do it. You have the Holy Spirit right here. Now, here's the thing. Oops. Here's the thing. When Jesus died on the cross, this is what Stewie. All right, Stewie, put your hands right here. This is the re- <laughs> Hold this. There you go. <laughs> yeah. This, this is the reality. This is the reality of all of us. When you're born into this world, you're bond. You're in, you're slave to sin. You have no control. You have you're in you're in slavery. But the gospel is so powerful because the gospel is what freed you from this. You're not longer a slave of sin. You're not longer giving up to sin. You have been freed from sin. Now, here's how the tension works. My man over here, the flesh, is pulling Stewie. Grab here. No, grab his hand. Oh, oh. Yeah, like, like this. Okay. We, we should have practiced it. All right. Yes. And then you pull it out here, like do the same thing. All right. So you have this tension between the two. You have the flesh that is pulling him this way, and you have the spirit that is pulling him this way. And you guys do it over here, caught in the crossfire, if you want to call it. And he's going to have to make a decision of where he wants to give in. This flesh over here, all that the flesh wants to do is to take him back to a place of captivity. He wants to take Stewie back to a place where he's again under the control of sin, that even though he's free, he wants Stewie to go back to the slavery and be confined by his sin. That is what the flesh wants, whereas the Holy Spirit wants the opposite. The Holy Spirit wants to remind him, wants to keep him in his freedom, wants to show him that he's no longer bound to flesh, that this right here it's not even, shouldn't be a thing, that he's a new creation, that his identity is in Christ, that he's free from sin, that he doesn't have to give in to any of those things. That is what the Holy Spirit wants to do. But the reality is that even though the Holy Spirit does that, we're more prone to follow the desires of the flesh, and we're, following, we're more prone to give in to the slavery. All right, thank you, guys. And we're more prone to give to the slavery. So what Paul is saying here, what Paul is saying here, and he says it in verse 18, he says, uh, so in verse uh, 17, he says, For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirits are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other. There's a conflict. There's a conflict between the two. If you don't have a conflict, let me just say this right here. If you are not a conflict, if there's not a conflict within you that is pulling you to do the things that you are not to do, if there's not a conflict within you that is telling you to do the right thing, so let me tell you, it's the reason why there's not a conflict is because you have already, you're already losing. You are already under bondage. You're still under the control of sin. You're still under his control. 
But if you believe in the gospel, you have been freed from this, but there's still a tension. And let me tell you, every single individual that is a Christian, from the one that just became a Christian today to the one that has been Christian 20 years, from the one that has never opened his Bible to the one that has devoted his entire life to studying the Bible, they are a conflict within them. You see, even Paul said this in the book of Romans 7, 15. He says, for I do not understand my own actions, he says. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. Even Paul is saying that. He he does the very thing. He has a tension within him that is pushing him to do the very thing that he hates to do. The very things that he don't not want them to do. That is the tension that we see here. So, what is the difference? So here's a list of all the things. You have a list of the fruit of the spirit, and then you have a list of the spirit of the fruits of the of the flesh. So you have the fruit of the flesh. You have sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, face of angels, rivalries, dissension, division, envy drunkenness, and orgies, all right? You look at that list, and it's easy to dismiss because in within that list, there's so many big words. There's so many things that there's no way you can associate yourself. And then you go ahead and you look at the fruit of the spirit, and you see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And you start thinking to yourself, well, I am definitely producing those fruits, and a lot of the time, if you're honest, the reason why you feel that you're producing those fruits is because your criteria, the thing that you look at as the reason as to why you are producing those fruits is how you deal with your friends. You look at your inner circle, your, your, your clique, your friend group, and you look at how you deal with them, and you're like, yeah, I love my friends. Yeah, I have joy. I get excited. Yeah, I, there's peace among us. There's no drama. There is, we're impatient with each other. There's kindness. And you go on the list and you can easily say and justify, yes, I have all of those things. I am producing the peace or the fruit of the spirit. But that's not how it works. To look at a tree and see if it's healthy, you don't base it on just one fruit. You don't look at an apple tree and say, this is a healthy apple tree when there's only one apple. It has to produce many apples for you to say, this is a healthy apple tree. The same way your criteria for knowing whether or not you are producing the fruit of the spirit or not is based on the fact of how you relate with everyone, not just your friend group. And that tension between the two, you'll see how it can play out where you can definitely thrive for loving your friends, but then when it comes to everyone else, you have divisions. You have dissensions among you. You're not so quick to preserve unity. You may like the two people in your friend group, but then the, the three that are around you, you don't want, you can't stand them. You don't want to be around them. And you make, you make it known. You want to push it. You wanna, you want, you, it drives you to, to make sure that they know that you don't like them. So are you really producing fruit of the spirit, or are you producing the spirits of the flesh? Now, if you look at those two lists, and you cannot say that in all areas of your life, 
you're producing fruit of the Spirit. That is, that's the norm. And, and, and let me clarify. There are times that you can go back and forward because there is a tension. And sometimes you do lose the tension. You do give in to the flesh. You do give in to the desires of the flesh. And so what you're supposed to do, you don't do. There is a tension. But when that is the norm, when that is all that is going on, you beg to ask the question, are you really, have you really believed in the message of the gospel? If you are in bondage, if you are in bondage, of sin, and you have never been freed from it, you're only going to produce the fruits of the flesh. And don't look at the list and think, oh, man, I have to do all of them. No. If all you do is envy, if all you do is deception, if all you do is idolatry, if all you, you do is impurity, if all you do is one of those things, and the list can go on, you need to ask yourself the question, am I really free or am I really in bondage? Am I really, have I really believed in the message of the gospel? Because if you have believed in the message of the gospel, you're not longer in bondage. You have been freed from it. You have the ability to do what the Spirit wants you to do, which is that, to love each other, to have joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That is what you've been freed to do. This, the flesh... The desires of the flesh wants to take you to a slavery, whereas the spirit wants to give you, wants to preserve your peace, your freedom. So here's what I got for you guys. I want you to understand that those that believe in the gospel message, those that have believed in the message of the gospel, you have been free from the captivity of sin. You're free from sin. You have a way, you have an option to say no to the desires of the flesh. You have an option now to say with the help of the Holy Spirit to deny that pull, to say no, I am not going to do the very thing that I'm not ought to do. No, I'm not going to go after what, what the desire wants me to do. No, I am going to honor God in every single area of my life. You can say that. You can know that because you've been freed from it. And in addition, those that, now that you're free, now that you're free of, the, of, the, of this captivity, you now can go ahead and walk with the Spirit and produce the fruits of the Spirit. You're not going to be able to produce the, spirit, the, the fruit of the Spirit if you're still in captivity. You're not going to produce the fruit of the Spirit if you're going, even though you've been saved, even though you believe in the message of the gospel, you're not going to produce them if you're still deliberately going to go all after and surrender yourself to the desires of the flesh, which is something that, most, that often we tend to do. All of us in this room are guilty of this at one point or another. Some of you are guilty of it right now, that you're still surrendering to the desires of the flesh, even though you have been freed from it. Christina just sent a son about the authority of God and how it says that just by one word, everything can change. And when Jesus died on the cross, his last words were, it is finished. You know what is finished? Your bondage is finished. You're not longer captive to sin. You're not longer have to give in to the desires of the flesh. You have been freed from that. You no longer have this, this dominion, this flesh that is driving you in to do everything that you want to do. You have been freed from that. It is finished. And if you're a Christian, you have an option to decide whether or not you're going to pursue 
the, the, the desires of the, of the Spirit, to pursue, to walk by the Spirit, to let Jesus and let the Holy Spirit direct your step or give in and go back to a captivity of the, following the desires of your flesh. You have an option. If you're still in captivity, you too also have an option where you can say, you know what, I'm no longer want to be a slave to the sin. I surrender and I want to accept this free gift the gift of the gospel that has spread me, that allows me to be free from this captivity. In the next few weeks, that's what we're going to be covering. But here's what I want to ask you. What is winning the battle of your heart? If you can be honest with yourself today, what is winning the battle to your heart? There's a battle right now. It's a battle between the flesh and the spirit. What is winning that battle in your life? If you were here... If I brought you back here, kind of like I did with Stewie, which way would you get, be pulled more? Will you be pulled more to the desires of the flesh? Is this where you are today? Allowing the desires of the flesh dictate every single step of your life? Is this where you are today? And how you can tell is by the spirits, by what, fru- or by what fruits you're producing. Or are you being led by the spirit? Are you following the desires of the spirit and living a life as you are meant to live? What is controlling your hearts today? What is winning the war? You have to think on that. And if you don't know how to answer, if you don't know, Eric, I don't know how to answer that question, then look at your actions. And don't look at your actions based on your intermediate friend group. Look at your actions and how you deal with everyone in your life. When Jesus said to his disciple, by this you'll know that you are my disciple on how you love your clique. It's not what he said. He said, by this you'll know that you're my disciple and how you love one another. One another being everyone that you come encounter to. How are you dealing with each other? That would tell you whether or not the flesh or the spirit is winning. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today. Father, I pray that we will recognize that there is a war, that we will not get used to or get, not, or, or get accustomed to this reality that there's a war going on for, for our hearts, that there's this tension between, between the flesh and the spirit, Lord, and I pray that you will help us in saying no to the desires of the flesh, Lord, that we will submit ourselves and let ourselves be led by the spirit so that we will be able to produce the fruits that we ought to produce, Lord. Father, I pray that if there's anybody here today that does not know you as their personal Savior, Lord, that they're still in that place of captivity where sin is controlling their life, where they're not, they don't know what it's like to be free, Lord. I pray that they will recognize that there's a way out of it, that, and that way is you, Lord, that through you, Lord, we can experience eternal life. And I pray, Father, that if there's anyone like that here today, that they will talk to me, that they will talk to one of the leaders, that they will talk with somebody, Lord, and ask, Lord, how can they experience freedom today, Lord? Thank you so much for all that you do and all that you will continue to do in our life. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you guys for coming and joining us. Good morning and citizens.